Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my friends Dees and Andy8052 to discuss what's been going on in the crypto streets. We have not done a crypto-centric form of this show really since the FTX collapse and the, uh, the subsequent jailing of SBF, there are some new and pretty interesting developments, including an app that I'm actually using. Not too many crypto apps have I actually used, so we spend the back half of the podcast talking about friend tech and just sort of going through what's happened since all of the crazy NFT summer. Always enjoy talking to Dees, always enjoy talking to Andy. I found it to be a pretty enjoyable conversation. I hope that you guys do too. If you want to support this show, you can always subscribe to the Patreon for bonus episodes. A link to that is in the description of the show. You can also leave a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can just tell a friend about the show. That's always useful and helpful as well. Now let's go ahead and get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the TakeCast. Very excited to bring in two returning guests to the program, Mr. Dees and Mr. Andy8052. Uh, they both been on the program in the heights, just the the peak of NFT summer when every 10k PFP picture uh, was was you know mooning when uh, you know Paris Hilton was bringing her her board ape picture onto Jimmy Fallon. And uh, needless to say, guys, we are we are far removed from that. All the all the people who logged on and told us we were dumb for buying the pictures, they feel vindicated. Um, all the people who said Top Shot was a Ponzi, they feel very vindicated. And from my own perspective, I was definitely not nearly in the weeds as you guys. I'm also like a huge Bitcoin guy, as people will know. So parts of me felt vindicated as well. Although I do love crypto applications and I get excited when I see ones that feel interesting to me as a more normie level uh, uh, enjoyer of crypto things. And, and there is a new project, uh, friend tech, which you've probably seen some of your favorite people on Twitter talking about. That's going to be our, our jumping off point, but I'm just, I'm very excited guys. I am excited for anything cool to be happening on crypto because that is something that I want to happen. I want cool things to be happening on crypto and not lame things to be happening on crypto. So thank you for joining me. We want applications we're excited to use, and we want less pictures that we're using as our profile pictures. 
Yeah, excited yeah. to be back. It's been a while. I mean, so let's I, I think the last time both of you guys would have been on would have been late 2021 would have been would have been something like uh June, July, August, September of 2021, something like that. So there's been uh, you know, whole I mean, in crypto, that's like a, that's like a true lifetime. So some of the big things that have happened since then. Uh, we've had uh, Ripple winning a lawsuit against the United States government. That was pretty big. Probably the thing people care about the most, though, is that relatively speaking, the prices of Bitcoin and Ethereum have been super flat for a long time to the point that if you just logged out in, I don't know, February of 2023 and logged back in now, your portfolio probably would not have moved a whole lot. I've actually, I try to not check the price too much, especially Bitcoin, because I'll I'll never spend it and I'll just keep that forever. Ethereum price fluctuations. I, I do, the one crypto thing I have kept up with has been so rare, which is just like a fun game. And the fact that, that so rare did not go to complete zero as most of the other things people went to complete zero, I think does show um, Andy. I, I think one thing I've learned is that if you do build something cool that uses crypto, People will actually use it and stay on it. Like if, if yeah. it has a if it has a purpose, if it's a fun game, if it's a fun thing, if there's something people can do with it, people will stay on it, right? It's just it's just the 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 Ponzi nomics and the casinos when the when the carousel stops, people will get off if if it's not that fun. Yeah. No, definitely. I think like yeah, I think Sora has been a good example of that. And I, I don't know how well it's done, like how well it's maintained as far as prices and stuff. I haven't really followed along too much, to be honest. But like, I know DraftKings Rainmakers has been doing really well, or at least comparatively to other stuff. It seems, I think it's like the largest volume NFT project that exists right now. Um, so it has been cool to see some of that stuff. And I think FrontTech, like you were saying, is another example of that, where it's at least something interesting. I think there's definitely a chance it could end up going more the way of, you know, Top Shot than, than So Rare and Rainmakers, but time will tell. Yeah, I mean, so rare. Uh, I mean, as of right now, we're recording this. If you're listening to this later, we are recording this Wednesday, September 20th in 2023. Maybe you're you're uh, listening back to the, the podcast archives in 2024 and none of these things even exist. But so rare, so rare is held pretty well because of the function, because there's a real function, right? I mean, the huge issue with Top Shot was it was just a game of, getting the thing you bought to go up and then getting out of it before other people got out of it, which is, you know, I mean, to be fair, that has been a huge part of the crypto experience for so many people. Like, like these, probably the, the number one people who are active in crypto in 2023 are traders, not even necessarily people who believe that, uh, like I, I remember, and I'll never forget this. I remember in, uh, during the, the big bull run for NFTs in 2021, there was like kind of this popular idea of like, Oh, leave your leave your politics out of crypto when like I can't imagine anything more political on this earth than wanting to replace the state's usage of money. Like I just I just really remember that being a popular thing. And like this is that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> crypto as a non-political instrument. I think um a lot of people with crypto slant libertarian and they just don't want to hear um uh, like 
everybody can agree that we want to be on the bottom of the political axis where we're libertarian, but like we can't agree left or right of that axis where we should be. And both those sides are both really loud and have really big opinions. And us in the middle are like, yeah, can't we just like get along and have fun and like not go at each other's necks? Um, but I, I would say those vibes are pretty dead now in 2023. Like you said, it's a lot of people trading or, I mean, there's a lot of artists creating. There's a lot of shit posting and engagement farmers still because of the new Twitter incentives with X monetization. But uh, yeah, it's, it's less political. I think less cutthroat right now. Also, I was surprised to see, I looked at the last 30 days of volume and uh, SoRare and DraftKings are basically pretty close. I mean, SoRare is at 14 million, DraftKings at 16.2 million in volume, 450,000 transactions for SoRare, 800,000 transactions for DraftKings. So like people are still using these platforms a lot over the last 30 days even. And um, I know I haven't dabbled as much with Rainmakers as I have SoRare, but um, the new packs they released you know, they've been queued up, they've been plus EV, they sell out, like, it's seemed pretty good from what I've seen on the timeline. Well, you've got to give, you got to give people something to do with them, right? Like I have, I think I have like 29 so rare cards or whatever, all, uh, I, I have like a full complement of, uh, of MLS goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards. Uh, like I, I love soccer. I, I am crypto curious uh like like i my my eth and and other non-bitcoin related bags are much smaller than uh than bitcoin bags because bitcoin i don't have to sell myself on you know uh ethereum i've gone you know andy i've gone back and forth a billion times right like this is actually technology that can change the world wait you know uh jp morgan is funding infura i don't know if i'm i don't know how much i i am into that like i I, and honestly, I don't even know, like, what is the big story? Like, what is, what are people arguing about with ETH right now? There are, there are protocol changes. There are, uh, you know, layer twos. There's always a new layer two that's winning. Uh, and I mean, we, we're, we're 10 minutes into this and we haven't even mentioned actually the huge turning stone for crypto uh, of the last two years, which was the entire FTX debacle that set, set the, I mean, honestly, it did set the whole space back so far because anyone who took the perspective of this is all it's all scam it's all it's all being inflated uh you know by the lizard people i mean they won because fbf uh, sbf was a, a lizard person you know he was just he was <laughs> one he was one of the elite his his parents were what is his dad both of the parents they were like stanford professors and gensler was involved like that i i think that set crypto related development in the united states back like a huge degree oh dude. No, yeah did you see the new stuff that ftx is now like suing his parents because i i saw i saw a report from the deposition that um that uh his dad was unhappy with his salary and wanted more money to be on the uh the uh the the board of advisors or whatever yeah it literally tagged his mom in the email it's like the whole family, you know, I, this is, I hate to say this, but I feel like more empathy for Sam <laughs> reading what some of like his upbringing and how his parents are acting and stuff. Like, obviously what he did is completely fucked up, but like this guy grew up with these parents, you know, his whole life and they raised this kid to, to be this person who did all this. So I have a little bit more empathy seeing that like his parents are both clearly uh, establishment grifters. 
if if that's a, a phrase to use there. Oh, they're they're big time establishment grifters. They are uh they are, you know, they're they're they are part of the cabal, you know. I mean, and it's why so many people thought Sam was not going to be persecuted and not going to be sent to jail because basically they were like, well, he's he's one of the chosen. And once this is out of the news, people are just going to let him go. Yeah, I'm yeah, definitely that... it seems like they were very manipulative of him as well. You know, to what extent? Hard to say, but. Yeah. And the, the Gensler stuff is is fairly interesting as well. I've seen this floated out around i mean obviously uh elizabeth warren who you know real shame i voted for her in in multiple primaries i i was a liz lad and she's really she's really let me down um you know just being in being in the pocket of the big banks and being so anti-crypto but i i have seen this theory floated out that the biden administration is very uniquely anti-crypto and there is a lot of thought that if Biden loses in 2024, that whatever administration comes in will be more pro crypto because crypto in general, whether it be whether it be um, like Bitcoin, is now a, a lobby. It is a it is a subset of people that you want to have voting for you. DeSantis has been pro Bitcoins. A lot of the a lot of the other GOP candidates have started to try and get. Uh, I mean, even RFK Jr. You can you can donate Bitcoin to rfk jr's political campaign if you want so it's it's sort of people are realizing uh you know r really men 18 18 to 35 year old men that's a subset you want to vote for you that's a lobby now i find the rfk and the desantis stuff to be pure grift you know i don't think these guys are are crypto believers in any way shape or form but they just know that it's a good it's how to capture a R new rfk audience. does feel like pure grift he just straight up just goes out there and just lies and then acts <laughs> yes. like it's the truth and then everything he says just has like a giant community note of like yeah he said that all this should happen but like here's what actually happened every time yeah then it's just like posting a video of him bench pressing <laughs> yeah his shirt off in venice beach just vibing which is i mean to be fair that is how a lot of things get done in politics though it's very rarely is it because politician x comes in as a true believer and pushes their idea it's just that the people that they need to vote for them believe in said thing and the larger point is that Crypto is big business now. I mean, Coinbase is is a huge company. Gemini is a huge company. These are companies with lobbying arms. These are companies that can apply financial pressure on legislators in the United States. And, you know, the 2024 election, like crypto is going to be a real thing that like both both senatorial and presidential elections, these guys are going to have to have answers on crypto. And I, I've seen several takes out there in the ether that there's a chance of a much more pro crypto administration in 2024 particularly if Joe Biden loses which would make being a crypto user customer consumer in the United States like a lot easier um and, you know, it's hard to tell what avenue that would go down but it does it does make me excited to see more stuff built in the country I live in on whatever your blockchain of choice is yeah, right now it's tough for builders. It's like they have to basically leave the U.S. to to do fun things that are in a legally gray area. Um, and I think we've we've seen that with some of these more interesting projects where like we have to use VPNs or you know actually I don't use a VPN. I I go to um, Canada for the day. It's like like entering DFS lineups. Yeah, yeah, it's like entering DFS lineups. <laughs> like oh, 
JM flying out of Oregon to place the lineups before coming back for the rest of the week. Like that's how half the products that we have feel, um, especially on the gambling and sports betting side of things. Cause it's like the intersection of crypto and sports betting that the government just hates both. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and this, and, and the, you do feel, and I mean, this is where some of my political beliefs uh, start to be at odds with each other as someone who believes that government should be a place where people come together to solve problems that, you know, the United States healthcare system is a mess and all these things. But then at the same time being like, why can't we build X, Y, or Z on the Ethereum blockchain? Um, actually, and I before we get into the friend tech stuff, I wanted to ask you guys about ordinals on the Bitcoin blockchain because- I again, huge Bitcoin believer. Have it, won't sell it, won't won't use it for anything other than other than saving. Um, and during the whole bull run phase, obviously people were calling Bitcoin. Oh, you know, it's it's boomer chain. You can't do anything on it. You can't build anything on it. So I'm just kind of uh, Andy. Like, what are your large thoughts on ordinals? Did you find any of that interesting? I think it's interesting, but. I don't know. I, I didn't really pay that much attention to it outside of trying to keep up with what was going on there. Um, it still, to me, feels like you're kind of like trying to like tape on with like masking tape, extra utility to something where like there's just clearly blockchains that are better for it. Um, and I think that a lot of those blockchains have reached a certain level of escape velocity where like I just am not excited to bet that like Bitcoin is going to be the major major blockchain where people trade ordinals or, you know, NFTs in general or things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think that like Bitcoin's good at what it does and the yeah. other stuff is just not going to really move the needle. Um, and so I, I wasn't like super excited to go and buy a bunch of it or anything. And I, I think they're, they've slowed down a good amount, but I don't know. I, th I think they'll probably stay, stick around and there'll be some interesting things that come out. Um, but I think it'll probably end up being relatively flavor of the month. Like, most other things are in crypto yeah volume is down a lot on the ordinals um over the last 30 days i mean it's still at two and a half million dollars worth of volume over the last two uh 30 days but that is like uh number 19 on the list of projects i'm looking at and that you know that's outclassed by like single nft projects still like opepin and my lady and stuff um I think the big issue I had with a lot of what I saw in ordinals was nothing was really original or using what felt like, uh, you know, Bitcoin for a new way to make art or make something people want to collect. It felt like a lot of like, I'm going to take the first whatever crypto punks and put them on ordinals or I'm going to take something else that exists on ETH and make it an ordinal. And some of those were trading for a lot uh, right off the bat because they had a low inscription number like, oh, I had a sub 10,000 ordinal punk like this is worth one bitcoin and to me that was crazy um so i didn't really buy or trade any of them but i i thought it was bullish on bitcoin that they had some new use case that we haven't seen in years like normally i feel like eth is leading with use cases like we're like oh look at this new cool thing we can do on eth um and ordinals was really the first time in my like crypto career where it was like oh we can do something new on bitcoin but i was really disappointed with like how people used it um, like, you know, Yuga made a ton of money off 12 fold and uh, the art that put out looked like they were playing pop it on Pogo. Uh, it didn't really feel like much of a statement or anything other than a value extraction. Um, so yeah, I've been watching it, but I haven't bought any ordinals. 
Um, looks like all time they've done like 200 million in volume, but uh, over the last 30 days, it's only been about two and a half. So it's slowed down quite a bit. I think, I mean, I think Andy hit the nail on the head, which is that the type of people who are inclined to want to buy blockchain pictures probably are not the Bitcoin people, right? The Bitcoin people are, uh, if you, if you want to market something to Bitcoin people, you need to like find a new meat product or, or like, uh, you know, like 3D a, a guns. Yes. Something, <laughs> something like that. Those are, and look, those are, those are my people to some extent, obviously, uh, you know, throughout the years, I, I got into Bitcoin so early that the, the culture around Bitcoin has changed so much, you know, Bitcoin used to be for nerds. Bitcoin was for, for nerds only. And now it's like, uh, you know, the, the whole laser eyes cult, uh, many of whom I think are very stupid and, and don't actually understand what, what they're talking about or what they're investing in. Um, but you know, I mean, uh, money, money can make strange bedfellows, right? Anything, anything as it relates to money can make strange bedfellows. Uh, let's, so let's, let's talk about friend tech because I just, it is exciting to see people using a crypto application of any degree. And what's even more exciting is when I find myself using a crypto application, not because uh, I feel like I have to, or because I feel like it's a good short-term trade, but just because I kind of want to. And I, I obviously, I, I sign up for FriendTech. I, I'm getting some fees from people buying and selling my keys. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it's nice. Like, oh, I'll just, I'm not going to buy anyone's keys. I'm just going to get this uh, 0.5 ETH airdrop and I'm going to log out. And then people are buying my keys and they're asking me fantasy questions. And I'm like, this is just a really frictionless way to talk to people who want to talk to me without having to log on to my Twitter account with 55,000 followers. And a lot of people who think I'm fucking stupid and want to tell me that my Kareem Hunt opinions are wrong, you know, and, and we've seen, you know, token gated discords and, and paid discords and things like that. But those are huge operations. Like for example, our, our friend, Peter Overset's deposit kingdom, his discord is huge. Peter could not address everything that needs to be addressed and that he he could be online 24 hours a day and he could never respond to every message posted in there. So um, what is your guys' experience with, with FriendTech been like? Yeah, I think originally I got it. It was fun. I was very similar to you where I was like, I'm just going to use the money I get from fees to buy a few keys for my friends, but I don't want to deposit, you know, I think I deposited one ETH on the first day and I said, oh, this is all I'm going to deposit because I don't, uh, want to get burned and you know this is some new fun risky shit to to get into so for me um i started just talking to anybody who i've been following on twitter but hadn't got a chance i'm not someone on twitter who ever dms people like i i feel very uncomfortable dming people i respect people i like like there's something about that dm one-to-one -one that I, I don't like but it's not present in friend tech like i can buy someone's key and go into their chat and talk to them and it feels 10x easier to me than just sending that cold dm of like hey man i've been watching your content for five years or 10 years and really respect your opinion and would love to connect like that feels so cheesy and not authentic to me but if i could just buy a key and go in and talk to somebody um it, it's been a lot more seamless and frictionless so that's how i started using it and then it got to the point where i think i deposited 10 more eth bought a bunch of keys and have been trying to farm more airdrops, but I'm really just enjoying the conversations we're having and specifically the conversations not around friend tech, not around crypto, but the for me, it's the conversations around sports and betting and the other fun stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think like 
you know, some people are doing it more so as, you know, hey, join my join my chat and we'll I'll share the latest shitcoin that I'm buying or something. And like that's cool. I think like in a lot of ways it sort of destigmatized like paid group chats. Right. Um, pay, maybe, pay like, to not be in my telegram. Yeah, whatever. yeah, exactly. But like even then it's like kind of different because I don't know. I, I think that there's something interesting about it where you like are almost more so just like kind of betting if you if that's what you want to do, like bet on the demand of other people to be in this telegram or whatever. So it still feels like a more tangible ownership than like I'm paying some random guy a thousand bucks a month for him to tell me what shit coins to buy. Um, and so like, I think that that's interesting, but like he's just saying, I think it's way more fun. Like there's a lot of people who have relatively low followings who there's this like really true discoverability of like, this guy has interesting thoughts and like, I am willing to pay to be exposed to these thoughts. And also like, I can then see a price appreciation in being early to finding them. Like an example that I like is let me pull up his name. So I get it right because it's just a bunch of numbers and letters. Um, there's one guy in particular who I bought very early on for recommendation from a friend, DTV 0511. And I bought him at like 0 0.05 or lower ETH key value. And now he's at like almost 0.3 and he just posts sports betting picks and like, he's really active and talks about other stuff too, but mostly he does sports betting and he's been winning and he's good at it and people like his takes. And so his keys have gone up in value. And so like, I think stuff like that is very interesting where you can really carve a niche for yourself and be someone who's relatively unknown and unfollowed and generate a following here because you have that, like, if some, if people are buying people's keys, people are going to notice and want to see what's going on. And there's, I mean, it's very different than Twitter or TikTok or Instagram in the sense of like having to hack the algorithm, you know, because there, there really is not one. Now, maybe that'll come. I, I don't, I don't actually know anything about the founders or, or the people behind this or what, you know, whatever VC is, is funding this. Um, but, you know, like the way, so if you've never used it, the way the feed works is really simple. You, you create your friend tech, uh, like that you don't even, they, don't even have an app you just add the web page to your home screen like it's it's still uh you know we're so early like type type vibes here i think it's i think uh what's existed for like a month and a half or so in terms of like being able to actually get on and post and everything but you you create your account you get one of your own keys and then um you know you can uh, you it links to a, a hot wallet and you can deposit whatever amount of ETH you want. You can buy and sell other people's keys. The price is done on a bonding curve. I, you're gonna have to, so, you know, Andy's gonna have to explain how a bonding curve works because that is uh, that we is need above. the computer science guy out here with the fucking math. <laughs> yeah, that's that's above that's above my ability to do. Which is um, like uh, the tokenomics of a bonding curve versus like buys and sells make it it's different than the way, like, I assume a lot of people listening to this, probably their primary experience with anything like this, where the goal is put in a small amount of money, trade, you know, ladder your way up to more money is going to be top shot. Very different there because the, 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 the bid ask system is much different. Like there is an infinite number of keys that can exist. If someone wanted to buy 500 Davis Matic keys, they, they could, um, Andy, can you just explain what a bonding curve is and how it works? Because literally, I got I got nothing, dude. 
Yes, I can. It's actually really, really, really basic. Nerds on the line are going to try to make it sound way more complicated than it is. Um, But essentially, it's just a kind of a a market that doesn't, where the other side of the market is a smart contract or some sort of, um, you know, like, like in the crypto case, it's a smart contract. And so you can always... I think instead of thinking about it as buying and selling, it's easier to think about it as minting and burning when it comes to trying to like understand how it works, but it's the same thing. And so you can, at any given time, there's a price, say like one Ethereum to mint one new friend tech key. And anyone can pay one Ethereum to mint that key. And the Ethereum just kind of sits inside of that smart contract and then is offered essentially as a payment for someone to burn a key instead. And so as de- supplier demand kind of works out, if more people are interested in buying keys or minting keys, the price is going to increase. And if more people are interested in burning or selling, the price is going to decrease. And the contract basically holds on to all outside of the fees that are paid out to creators and to Frentech, uh, the app, uh, the contract holds all of that Ethereum as like essentially a market maker. Um, but so like the really, really, really basic version is as more people buy, the price goes up, and as more people sell, the price goes down, which sounds stupid, but that's really what it is. Um, and every bond, like bonding curves, you can program or like code what the, kind of what the price is, like how, how the price changes with each subsequent purchase or sell. Uh, and that's where it can get complicated. And so Frentech has a, you know, a specific formula that we don't need to get into that kind of determines how the, how the price increases or decreases with each sale. Um, but you could theoretically have it be just like totally linear and say it increases by 0.1 every time someone buys and decreases by 0.1 every time someone sells. You could like also have it be very, very basic. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Well, that's, le- I mean, I guess that is less confusing than it's, it, it is more helpful to think of it that way to think of uh, it being, re- I guess it's related to the demand. Um, so if a lot of people, if a lot of people want your keys, number go up, if not very many people want your keys number goes down. Yeah, I guess I think that's the key, pretty simple. The key distinction of like a bonding curve versus just like buying and selling NFTs, like like top shot moments or something, is that all, you know, in this case, it's 90% of the Ethereum that's put in to purchasing sits inside of the contract as like available buyback, essentially, for people who want to sell. So there's always a guarantee of some liquidity. Like there's always a, a buyer because it's the contract itself. Um, and so you oh, do. That's, I, I was actually wondering about that. That's very like, so obviously one of the market dynamics at play right now is that there are these points and no one really knows how the points work. You get points for referrals. You get points for typing in your own chat. You get points for typing in another chat. The assumption from a lot of the people who are using friend tech right now is that those points will turn into an airdrop in the future of some form, shape, or another. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, this is it's this is a classic crypto activity of of uh airdrop farming, which has been very successful for people in the past. Uh e- ENS was uh was an unexpected one. I think Blur, which is an NFT purchasing platform, was a more expected one where people were like were very specifically uh farming for that. Um but I so the my natural thought was okay. Let's say the airdrop happens. Uh, I what's the or the final airdrop happens, and then everyone just rushes to get off the platform. I guess it is in some degree 
sort of reassuring i mean and don't get me wrong that that rush to leave the platform and get the ethereum off it is going to happen so if you're a big friend tech bull uh just be ready for that whatever your portfolio value says it's going to go way down um at some point but it is reassuring to know that at least that ethereum is built into a contract and it there there is guaranteed liquidity because uh something you guys will know well is that and top shop people are really going to know this that uh if there is no guaranteed liquidity that means there is no liquidity it means your your 156 dollar marcus smart season two or series two common moment uh the liquidity on that is zero dollars and zero cents because actually no one wants it at all yeah yeah and so obviously they're they're could and like you were saying, probably still will be some race to the bottom at some point, at least on some amount of keys. Um, but there is like true, you can literally like look on a chart and see, okay, if 10 people sell, this is exactly how much I could then sell for. And like, that is just like a fundamental truth of how it works as opposed to being like, theoretically, there's a bid at this price and maybe I could sell for this much. Um, so there is, while you know, just because just because it's there doesn't mean that everything is immediately worth however much it's currently listed for on the site. Um, there is some semblance of like you can always sell, just maybe not for as much as you originally bought it for. Yeah, take ten percent of your portfolio value out immediately if you're going to sell, and then probably take a little bit more out based off if you have multiple keys of people. Because <laughs> as you sell, it's going to knock the price down. But it is nice to know that it's instant. Like it's it's definitely um, unlike a lot of other mechanisms in crypto. And uh, I also, I mean, another thing that is a little bit uh, that obscures about the portfolio value is that includes the value of your own key, which uh, I, if you sell, if you only have one of your own key and you sell that, jail. I mean, that that, <laughs> that is immediate jail. You can't if you sell see anyone key. sell their own key and it's the last key they have, you just rush to their tab and just smash the sell button. You're like, yeah, they're out. Well, my out. favorite thing is if you sell all of your keys, you can't access your own chat. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's pretty, how you know it's over like they gave yeah. up on the platform when that last key leaves and i think that's one thing that's so fun about this is like it's all transparent we're all sitting here and we're chatting and then we go into the fucking explore tab and we just look at what's going on we're like who's trending who's trading like i'm always looking at what my friends are doing and uh you just realize how degenerate everybody is like people buying and then selling the account they bought 30 minutes later for a break even or a loss after fees and just good old crypto man so what we love to see nothing like uh nothing like um you know treating your friends like shit coins like that's that is kind of an interesting dynamic like literally turning your friend uh turning your friends tokenized it's sort of uh it's sort of it's sort of black mirror-esque right like uh like, you know, oh, I, I love Andy, but uh, you know what I like more? Like 0.9 ETH in, in my wallet, <laughs> you know? It's like, it's, it, and like- I don't blame him. Get the 0.9 ETH. Yeah, it's, it's uh, and there's, so there's this other uh, dynamic that goes on uh, talking about like very niche, uh, very niche market dynamics. There's, there's this whole trend of like, oh, I, I'll buy your token if you buy mine, uh, which- See to me that seems very short-sighted. That that feels like pure uh, fee farming, pure uh, airdrop farming. Because if you if you take for granted the idea that this is an emerging platform and there's a low number of users relative to others, like a very low number compared to other crypto platforms and especially compared to other social media platforms, 
the only way for this to retain value when airdrop farming is over is if people actually like want to be in your chat and talking to you, you know, like if, if there is a service or something that you are providing, because if your whole portfolio is just based on, I buy your token, you buy my token. Uh, and what if the airdrop sucks? You know, like we are in a, this is a new era of crypto where people the the overall amount of us dollars coming in to provide liquidity is lower like the airdrop could suck you could have you could have whatever amount of points you want and get like a 113 dollar airdrop and be like wow i just spent all that time doing that and doing all these fees and i got uh you know one trip to whole foods out of it like that feels like a giant waste of time and obviously i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know reinvent the wheel here and crypto people are going to do what crypto people do but it does that to me feels like the most inefficient use of time on this platform is to just build a fake portfolio value based on not providing anything in your chat but just really you're just a liquidity provider and then other people are liquidity providers for you yeah i think like I think the three three stuff, which is what people are calling the "you buy mine, I buy yours," uh, it comes from an, an older crypto meme. For those who are not aware, other people calling it "friend friend," is it was really compelling at the start um, because, you know, I mean, to be honest, there are very few people in crypto who I am willing to pay money to be in a chat with, totally. unless they're my friend and it's just like funny and it's fun, um, and so then like. When you're like, okay, the more I've, I want to farm this airdrop, I think it's going to be interesting. What's the best way to do this? The best way is probably just, well, really the best way is to buy your own keys. And they haven't nerfed that strategy yet. Um, if you purely just want to farm the airdrop, uh, at least right now, the absolute best strategy is just buy a ton of your own keys. Um, because you're, instead of paying a 10% rake on either trade, you're paying a 5% rake because the 5% in fees goes to yourself. And so that's just like, it's by far the best strategy. Um but there's like this kind of unknown risk of like, will they say, hey, we don't condone this anymore and then remove your points, change things, whatever. And so it's been a strategy that I haven't really employed too much. Um, I own a couple of my own keys, but nothing crazy. Uh, there's some people who have put like hundreds of ETH into their own keys. Um, and so then you get the 3-3 strategy, which is to buy each other uh, and say, hey, we're not going to sell. And I think... That strategy might, we're seeing this a bit on the timeline already, but once like every NFT influencer, you know, like starts tweeting, like I'm three, threeing, I'm buying everyone. I was kind of like, oh, I don't really know if I want to do this anymore. I think it's, I think it might be over. Um, I think probably the like shitty, but best strategy is going to be trying to find a time a few months, probably like a month and a half or so before the airdrop and just being like, I'm out, I'm not doing this anymore. And just like, People, because I think people are going to farm for a while and then they're going to at some point start to sell. And like, I don't think you want to still be holding coins you don't or keys you don't care about once the airdrop happens. I think the, the optimal strategy is to forego a few months of farming the airdrop and just get just get out to the stuff you actually care about. And so, like, I have for like, there's definitely people's keys who I would not dump, um, but there's a lot of people who I don't even know who I just own their key because they bought mine. And like my only interaction is they buy my buy my key, join my chat, reply three three to a message, and then I go and buy theirs. And I just don't think that's like a long term sustainable thing. Right now it works, but uh, I'm getting more and more wary of it as everyone kind of adopts it. Yeah, my basic my basic strategy is if 
the fees I would make from them buying and selling my key. So that's like 0.09 ETH right now. If that number is um, greater than their key price, I'll automatically buy it without thought because the very worst case, they buy and sell my key and I made the price of their key back off the fee and then I can just sell it. Uh, but with the airdrop, what you just mentioned about like exiting before everybody, I've thought about this like many times and it's 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 been as um, soon as like, should I exit tomorrow night after the snapshot? <laughs> or like, like, I don't know, is are we going to have multiple cycles of that where like people... Uh, exit TBL plummets and then the next week the points are so much more because the TBL plummeted and the people who stayed got a bigger airdrop and then does that entice more people to deposit more again and be like oh shit like there's opportunity here again because everyone took it out like I, I don't know um, but I have thought like it might be as like this Thursday like tomorrow night after the snapshot but before the airdrop on Friday that might be like one of the best times to nuke your portfolio uh, kind of interesting. I mean, that that is overall the, the unknown dynamics. I mean, that's kind of the exciting thing about it, right? Like this is this is something new. There, there, I mean, to my knowledge, there is not anything else that exists like this before on the Ethereum blockchain. Someone did already port over. Uh they literally just copied Frentech and put it on Bitcoin. I think it's I think it's like layer of two course. Bitcoin, though. It's like it's like very fake. I, I signed up for it, but then I was like, you know what? Just not even gonna link a wallet to this. Not even not even a trash wallet. It's not worth I just, it. Yeah. It's it's I really think, it's really not. Yeah, I think like what's the the interesting thing about it, like there is some non-zero amount of like actual social networking happening on the platform. Um, which I think is cool. Like there are people who have legitimately made a name for themselves because of the way that they have gone about using Frentech as a platform. And so like, I think that's like kind of the bull case for it long-term is that while there is a lot of kind of speculation on airdrops and people trying to just three, three and all of that, there is some new interesting thing happening here. I mean, even if it's not the first time it's ever happened, it's not, you know, there's all these people who are like, Oh, it's not actually new. Like a bunch of other people tried to do this. Like, yeah, well they didn't fucking work. And this one has so far. So like, sorry, I don't know. Um, so like, I think that's, that's definitely interesting, but we'll definitely see a lot of people who didn't really give a shit sell at some point. Um, which is fine too. That's how like most things work. That, 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 I mean, that's, that's like that. It's, I guess it feels a little bit different because instead of selling your uh shit coin with a market cap of $1.2 million, you're literally selling a token directly related to how much you value your friend or your yeah. online friend. So like, it feels a little bit different, but I, I mean, I definitely think you're right. I, my experience with it has been that I enjoy people asking me fantasy questions and I really enjoy people asking me fantasy questions when there's someone that likes me and it's not just like mm -hmm. my, my experience on Twitter, obviously this is not going to be reflected by anyone listening to this or most people listening to this because I have so many Twitter followers and I get inundated with questions. And to be frank, I never took the necessary steps to like set up a good paid discord you know, which is like a step, obviously, that a lot of people have done and is a solve for this problem. But I love when someone else takes care of the infrastructure problem for me. Like, I love the Patreon that I have for this podcast because someone set up that infrastructure for me. I did not have to build a website. I didn't have to connect anything to Stripe. I didn't have to set up a new podcast feed that was all done for me. 
And so I like that. Let's say fast forward a year from now and there's a new shit coin that everyone loves and uh, whatever. And the, the airdrops over and it's just people who want to be on friend tech can be on friend tech. I can still very easily see myself like, had there ever been a top shot functionality, let's put this in top shot terms because a lot of people understand this. Let's say the quote unquote game that top shot was always building that never existed and, and sounded stupid. Every time we got an update on it, it sounded dumber and dumber. But let's say there was a so rare esque game on top shot where every night I could use uh, all my Lou Dort cards and my Shea cards and the multiplier was like based on the rarity or whatever even if all the liquidity left the platform and Dapper fired all their employees and they it, and it was all just a mess the same way, but there was a game to play. There was something to do, something that I got out of it. I could still see myself using it even at lower liquidity levels, even at lower prize levels, even if buying packs was, was very negative EV. Actually kind of similar to how Rainmakers works where you have to be good at Rainmakers to make money, like if you don't really know what you're doing with Rainmakers or you run bad or you bought a Nick Chubb uh, elite tier and then he tears his ACL, like you're just shit out of luck. It is what it is. Um, I could still see that being a worthwhile platform and the worthwhileness of the platform already exists because it already works exactly as intended, which is a token gated way for people to ask me Javante Williams or George Pickens in half mm -hmm. PPR dynasty, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think that that is like probably where it ends up trending long-term. And I, I agree. Like it's been really nice having like those smaller conversations and just like, like, I really enjoy my chat, even though like, I don't really talk about anything crazy. I mostly just like give people updates about my life or like answer random questions. Half of it is like fantasy football stuff. Half of it is random crypto stuff or just like, how's your honeymoon going kind of things. Um, but like that kind of stuff is really nice. And and like Deez was saying too, and I'm sure you as well, like I basically just ignore DMs from people I don't know because um, it's just like, I don't have the time to answer everyone and all of that. And this kind of is like the place where I've decided, okay, I'm not going to ignore these questions. I will answer them. And that's like just easy enough and adds just the right amount of incentive for me. Um, I'm never going to, you know, turn into like the like crazy guy who's created some insane community what's his name levi or whatever like good for him he's doing some crazy stuff on there but like just to be like a smaller kind of content creator person who's perpetually online it's like a pretty easy plug-in solution like you were saying which is really nice yeah and i think the bonding curve makes the chat a nice size like some people have complained that the price is too expensive or it goes up too much but part of me the more i use it feels like it's a feature and not a bug where like it keeps the chat small enough that you can stay on top of it and you don't feel over stimulated by everything going on in the chat for me i kind of maybe bought a little bit too many keys um because my rooms page is just like you know the top 15 are all messages within the last 10 minutes so it's a little little crazy uh, but I know like when I'm scrolling through which chats I'm looking for updates in and which ones I'm kind of just like not as interested in. Um, but yeah, I, I've really just enjoyed like the smaller group chat nature of it. And I, I really like that you can be honest and have a candid conversation and you can be wrong on friend tech and like people don't come back five days later, quote tweet and why you were wrong and be like this fucking counter signal. Um, it's just a different vibe. Yeah. Definitely. I think that it creates good size. And yeah, I agree. I feel like we need to be able to pin chats or something. 
because I'm in yeah, virtual I, I want folders. Yes. I want yeah, the yeah, Telegram experience where I can have a folder and I can just have my folder of like fantasy people because I am every day going between Davis and Noto and a few other people. And I'm like, okay, I just wish that was a folder um, rather than me like scrolling down like looking for an update. Yeah. Like Noto just posts his bets. Like he just posted, if you want to tail him on WTA Guadalajara, like here's four bets. And like he did that yesterday too. And it's, you know, you don't, you can't do that on Twitter <laughs> or uh... well, you can't, I mean, Twitter is such a fucking cesspool. You can't like, I like the only bets I'll post on Twitter are first touchdown bets. Cause no one expects those to win <laughs> anyway. So it's like, whatever, <laughs> if you, if you don't get, if you don't hit your, uh, you, if you don't hit your Josh Oliver first touchdown, but if you post like, Oh, I'm on saints minus three or whatever, like you could, Oh yeah. Great pick dumbass. Like it's just, it's not, it's not effective. Um, I mean, you guys just mentioned another thing, which is that Twitter DMS don't really work. Um, like right now, if I go to Twitter and check my DMS, I have a message request from 11 people you may know. Right. And it's like, sure. Some of those people, maybe I would respond to them if I'm feeling generous right like i'll answer your fantasy football lineup question or whatever but i also and you guys probably get this i get a lot of like hey check out this business that i'm running do you want to do you like do you want to collab do you want to are you interested in you know and it's like no i'm not really no and it's like fine so i don't even really check that tab all that often um do you get the ones that are like you know i i really hope they're fake but it's uh people taking pictures of mutilated kids and then begging for a donation. They're like, I'm in the hospital right now and I'm going to lose my son and he's in the NICU. And it's just no, like but this that's fucked up. Freeborn baby. Have... That's like fucking 12 months early or 12 weeks early. And you're like, yeah, I don't think this is real, but like, that's that is, what I get in my message dark. requests. <laughs> like, yeah. That's and I, I like, it, it ruins my day sometimes when you see those pictures that people send you. Um, so yeah, that none of that's happening in front tech. Not none of it. Not yet, at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if someone is willing to spend round trip like 0.18 ETH to to send that to me, like maybe it is real. I don't know. But they're definitely yeah, not that's real. that's the other nice thing. It's like if someone wants to come into your chat to shit talk you or whatever, it's like they have to pay. They just to paid it. me $150 yeah. to come in and tell me I suck. Like that's like if you're watching a Twitch streamer and you donate $150 to be like, you fucking suck. Like, that's what it feels like. And I'm fine with that. If they want to do that, you know, the more power to them. Well, and people have been talking about this with specifically Twitter for a long time. Uh, I mean, the Bitcoin people have been saying this for a long time. Like, oh, just make it make it uh, $5 in Bitcoin to create a Twitter account to prove that you're real. And um, I mean, obviously, I think that was always a little bit too much orange pilling. But even... Elon now is saying like he thinks the only way to combat spam is to make Twitter a paid platform, uh, which feels impossible. Feels like there's no chance that works. Like I don't, I don't even know. If but if it was a dollar or two dollars a month, I mean, fuck, I'd pay it. I, I pay. I mean, I, I'm one of the suckers that pays for Twitter Blue because Twitter is my huge part of my job, and I need to my posts need to be boosted. Like I can't be killed by the algorithm you know so like i i have to do that but doing anything like this obviously the other um the very unspoken thing is it's just like you you could not do this using u.s dollars right like people are are not getting out their credit card to pay 817 dollars to buy someone's key but when it's oh point point eight three e sure we love your funny money (laughs) yeah 
when oh, it's point one ETH, like whatever, I'll buy five of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like, I just bought a thousand dollars worth. Because I, I'm sure maybe someone listening to this is like, okay, well, why does this need to be on crypto? Why, why can't this just be? Why can't this just be Discord? Why can't this just be something that works with with U.S. dollars? And like, part of it is because the the bonding curve, I think, would get tricky, like without the ability to do smart contracts and stuff. But the the other thing is, is just that that's the way people spend crypto. I mean, we saw that so much with the bull run and and with the 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 fucking 10k profile pictures and stuff which is just that people treat crypto specifically crypto gains not even just not even just crypto money but when it's gains when it's unrealized money people just treat that so differently they are they are much freer spending with crypto gains oh we're idiots with the crypto gains dude well i mean you saw it with punks it was like the floor is 140 eth eth is like three or four thousand dollars and people are like, yeah, this is cheap, man. This is a steal. <laughs> Everyone in USD is looking at us like we're the biggest morons on earth. But it, it helps. It definitely helps. It doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. And and like I said at the beginning, to to really round trip it, I mean, I will always remain crypto curious. Any cool application built on crypto. I mean, I have not, before this, I had not deposited ETH off of a wallet into anything else since 2021 it had been it had been 18 months since i like signed up to a new project with a wallet because i was like i got you know i mean i i came in at the end of nft summer so i was like just minting total rugs and mm -hmm. like you know grinding white lit and it's just like i i just had no i i had uh overall got lucky with top shot but overall like a bad taste in my mouth left from a lot of the stuff from nft summer as i think a lot of people did how, how did you find friend tech if you don't mind me asking uh all, from the deposit kingdom from from the yeah. guys from pete's discord they were all grinding it or whatever and they were like dude you have fifty thousand twitter followers you're gonna sign up and immediately a bunch of people are gonna buy your keys and i was like well sure like whatever Let's try it out well and literally my thing was i'm gonna farm i'm gonna farm this like whatever people buying my keys originally i'm not buying anyone else's keys and i'm just like logging off and then I basically hung around for like a day and I was like, wait, this is actually sick. Like this is, it's, it's something that I can immediately see a use case for, which with a lot of stuff in crypto there, the use case is three years away or the use case is this hyper specific thing or whatever. So it just, um, and I just love to be online, dude. Like I'm like the most, I'm like the most online dude. So and the app is getting to better be too. Like a month ago, yeah. this app mm -hmm. was horrible. Like we couldn't use it. Um, I don't know if you come around to FriendTech on the desktop because I, I feel like the FriendTech desktop experience is 100x better. I don't need to click the reload button every time I open up a new chat. When I type a message, it doesn't vanish before it sends. It actually sends every time. I haven't uh, tried the desktop yet. I've been too lazy. I, I'm going to send you, I'll put the tweet in the Zoom chat, but it is oh, yeah. so, so easy and I highly recommend it just because like you don't need to port your key or anything. You just, for me, I sign in with Google account. So just sign in with the Google account on desktop, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll post it in the chat. It's definitely better. Like I'm using it more because it's on my computer than when I'm using it on the phone, because there's been times on the phone, I type out a nice reply. Like someone asks yeah. a, a very in-depth question. Like I, I wrote like four paragraphs or five paragraphs around like why blowing your fab early is worth it. And then I sent it. And I'm like, wait, did, did the app just bug out? Like, holy shit, I just spent like 10 minutes writing this message. So 
That's Let's a classic D's message considering the your max Puka bid in our league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the opportunity cost of just having a starter that's going to get production early on in the season versus sitting on dollars that you might not be able to spend on a better spot. Like, it's just it's a no-brainer. But yeah, I, I wrote right. out this whole thing and then I sent it and it was just like, yo, is it? No, no, like, no, come on. But, but um, yeah, on the desktop, that never happens. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, FFPC waivers, far and away the best use case of Frentech that I've found because I'm like, I'm not in any leagues with you guys. Yes, that's I, the like, best. No one is in your like league. Like 35 people hold my key. I'll just post my exact bids. I don't <laughs> care. I, I literally last last Wednesday, I si- I think I signed up on Tuesday, last Wednesday, and I, I'm in five main events and I just posted my actual bids in all of them because I was like, that is, I mean, you know, what 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 is going to be the negative consequence see and i'm an uh, idiot i'm in i'm in leagues with these people i'm in like seven high stakes crypto leagues and a lot of these people are in my friend tech chat and i'm still like yeah i'm bidding 100 on puka like one of the leagues i bid 100 on puka someone else bid 100 on puka because they knew i was bidding 100 but then i had the waiver priority so i got them and then they were like oh dude i thought you were psyopsing in the chat like i didn't think you were actually gonna bid 100 i'm like no like that's i wouldn't lie to you (laughs) <laughs> I uh speaking of bidding, do you guys want to transition to my help Andy with his fantasy league question right now? Yes, <laughs> let's let's help let's help Andy with his fantasy league and then we can uh we can get out of here. All right. So I'm really torn. My my team is like pretty good. My only QB, it's it's a right pretty generic scoring league. Uh full point PPR doesn't really matter for this question though. I have Geno Smith as my quarterback. I still have a lot of my fab. I was able to okay. get Kieran Williams, so I have a lot of it. Someone dropped Deshaun Watson yesterday. And oh, I man. just can't decide whether or not it's worth it. So I have, like I said, I have Gino. The other option, uh, Gino's like rest of season schedule is like really, really tough. It's, it is not good. Um, and so I was looking, Watson available to me just feels like I should take him. Yes. But the other available option is Jer- uh, Jared Goff, who also feels pretty solid, but at least better than Gino. Um, and I'm really just trying to figure out whether I like hold back vomiting and, and pick up Watson or, uh, so my, my deal, my deal would be, you really want Goff for the home games. Like, I think he's going to have like some of the biggest home road splits of any quarterback. And you also are going to want him when Jameson Williams comes back. My guess would be though is that the first game that Jameson's eligible for is at the Ravens. So it's like, do you really want to start him at the Ravens in the first game with Jameson back? Now, you're definitely going to start him. He plays the Falcons this week. Then he plays the Packers on the road. Then he gets the Panthers at home. So you got at least two starts there. The thing is, um, Watson obviously would have the ceiling. And he's been running like just enough for me to wish cast on him. A little bit he's got 11 rushes for 67 yards through two games and now they don't have nick chubb so i think you might see a little bit more designed rushing and with this joe burrow injury i think they could even psyops themselves into thinking they can win the division mm-hmm. so it's like like i just i don't know like watson has looked awful i mean like however bad you thought he was gonna look yeah, coming into the season been really he's, been, he's been really bad but the so like let's give him 35 rushing yards and like 0.3 rushing TDs per game. And then just like, maybe he gets 15% more comfortable as a passer. 
I, I think you I think you got a bid on Watson yeah. in that spot. I think so too. And I'm in, and I'm in a position where my team is really good and quarterback is like by far my weakest position. And so like my other thing I've been considering is trying to just trade for a stud. Um but I think what I'm actually going to do in this league is th- there's a guy who just lost Nick Chubb and he only had three running backs. And it was Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubbs, and Tajay Spears. And so I'm going to be like, hey, what if I trade you several running backs for Josh Jacobs <laughs> because you really need help? And so I'm going to do that instead. But I-, I think he seems like the actually upside win my league pick as opposed to just like, and, and in the worst case, it's a pretty like, you know, Wilson, Goff even like a Stafford, CJ Stroud are all guys you can like pick up play any weeks. Stroud has like almost 700 passing yards or something already. <laughs> he's just throwing, he's Stroud throwing. is real. 44 and 47 passing attempts. And even with the scoreline effects, the Texans have still been like, I think like plus 4% pass rate over expected. So, and they're, they're like nine point dogs to the Jaguars this weekend. So all of that, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's the thing with one quarterback leagues is you got to take the shot on guys who, can score like over like 19 20 fantasy points per game because any given week you can find 16 points on the waiver wire like pretty easily yeah Yeah. even even baker will give you that sometimes yeah for sure baker baby (laughs) 5100 on DraftKings last week it was uh they're they're disrespecting baker (laughs) this this oklahoma university helmet right behind me will show you how i feel about (laughs) that baker mayfield very unfairly disrespected um all right guys let's get out of here uh if you guys really enjoyed andy and d's conversation and you've got uh, a couple of theory of despair you can join them on friend tech uh i'll i'll post some codes in the chat to this podcast if anyone wants to join up my dms on twitter are open like you can dm me i can't promise that i can <laughs> see them i actually had a guy last week email uh dm me because he saw me talking about it and was like what like what is this and i i showed him and uh, I'll, I'll do my best as always. Um, hope all of that was useful. Hope all of that was helpful. Make sure you guys are following at DSVI and at Andy80 with the little cross through it, uh, 5-2 on Twitter. And uh, I will be back next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you a software professional looking to make a lasting impact on people and the planet? At General Motors, our vision is a world with zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And we need innovative people like you to join us on this journey and challenge the limits of what is possible. From autonomous cars to software-defined vehicles, you'll translate breakthrough technologies like AI into experiences that people love, all while pushing the world forward toward an all-electric future. See how you can shape the future of mobility at careers.gm.com.